think it's important for us to talk about and say, hey, well, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. To just gloss over that, to me, would be irresponsible as a leader. Okay? All right, so what did it mean in the mind of a Jewish person? Okay? So that's what I'm saying. So what does it mean in the mind of a Jewish person? I would propose it was a biblical idiom. All right? And what it meant, I'm just going to read this because I wrote it down to make sure I get this right. Having from God that God gives you supernaturally the ability to do or say exactly what God wants done or said. That being filled with the Spirit, the, the assumption of a Jew was that, at, that when you were filled with the Spirit, you were given the supernatural ability to now accomplish God's purpose, whether it was prophecy whether it was a supernatural thing you're going to do, but that God was empowering you to accomplish kingdom things, as it were. Now, I can go through all these different passages. Um, of, we, we just looked at Exodus 31, 3. Uh, we see he gives them the power to construct uh, this tabernacle. There is no trances. There is no tongues. There's no, you know, and, that, and that's what I propose to you, as it were, that's why you see people being, as it were, filled with the Spirit in the Old Testament, but yet Pentecost hasn't happened. Right? Don't that, don't that weird you out? Well, how are people being filled with the Spirit when Jesus said he ain't getting nobody a spirit yet? You got to deal with that. I want to propose because although Pentecost has not happened, God is still accomplishing his purposes and showing even before Pentecost People still need God to do God-sized things. So uh, we see that with Zechariah and Luke 115. You can write that address down. I think we put some up there. Man, you think of the book of Acts. Every time you look at the opportunities where he talks about being filled with the Spirit, it's always um, accompanied to its result. There's, there's, right? The, the, the people, are, people are filled with the Spirit, and there's always a result of, of, of some sense of kingdom advancement. People are never just filled with the Spirit so you can watch them be filled with the Spirit. It never happens. Fact check me on that. Right? It's getting quiet in here. Uh-oh. Let's, let's, let's process this. Um, and it's interesting, it's interesting that uh, in the passage, um, you see you know, the Ephesians 5 thing. It's just funny to me uh, that you have, you know, this issue of, of um, being filled with the Spirit, uh, being like drunkenness here, but you see the exact opposite of the command to be filled with the Spirit in 5, 18, and 19. You see the exact opposite uh, when uh, in Acts 5, 3, when Ananias is filled with Satan, right? So it says, be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But then it's interesting that Ananias is filled with the Spirit of Satan, and he's filled with what? Lying and right, deception. It's very interesting to me. My proposal is, is God is even teaching doctrine through that. To show so for us to understand what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Why do I harp, why do I I, I, I I talk about that? Because that's why I propose 
that we can, that's why the Lord allows us in Ephesians 5 to be able to ask to be filled with the Spirit by faith. That you can be filled with the Spirit. That God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. He wants us to obey Him, to be empowered supernaturally, to accomplish His task, to be moved supernaturally for His glory. And He wants us to, uh, to want that. And so we can ask that by faith. By faith. All right. Yes, sir. Matthew. Is it not? I wouldn't say in addition. I, w- I would say that that being this is why I'm proposing he gives us a command to be filled with the Spirit. Because he wants the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in our lives. And so, so Matthew's question was like, hey, when we see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all, when we see these things and we're, we're, we're doing this, is this an addition? Is this a, a special thing that he gives us? Am I, am I, right? and, I, and I'm proposing, actually, I would say, I would say knowing yes, here's my point. God is saying you need to be filled with the Spirit to accomplish the fruit of the Spirit, right? So you, you don't just accomplish that in your own strength. In fact, I'm proposing that the Scripture says when you do that, your works are like filthy rags. That what makes them God-honoring and God-acceptable is they're done in faith. That's what makes your works, right? So you can share your faith in the flesh, and God looking like, what was that? And he'll still use it, because God, God is just for his glory, but no, he wants us to do, he says, all things that's not of faith is sin in Romans 14. So he wants us to be able to say, Holy Spirit, fill me to talk with this person. Holy Spirit. So he wants us, that, that reliance of the, of, the, of the third member of the Trinity, that relationship to be filled supernaturally with God so that we can accomplish his purpose, do his things, preach his word, and be supernaturally moved is what God wants us to be about. However, at the same time, God can and does fill you for purposes. So I'm saying, I'm not, I hope you don't hear me. I'm not saying just ask for God to fill you. He wants that. He wants your dependence to be on God. But I'm also saying there's a supernatural component to this God thing that you and I don't want to dismiss. That God, man, we can ask God to do supernatural things in our lives. And guess what? Sometimes you cannot ask, but God wants to do something supernatural in your life. So I, so I said all that, and then I made it real messy. God can do anything, but here are the rules. But if I didn't do that, I think I would be irrespons- a irresponsible theologian. So it seems to me that the scripture is saying that, hey, fruit of the Spirit, that's what he says, hey, I want you, this is what, I, this is what you have because you have the Holy Spirit. You, this is what you can do in Christ. Pray for that. Ask for that. Now, this other, the other stuff, the, some of the stuff that you're like, man, how'd that happen? You can pray for that, but I'm not, ex- I don't want to be all like, I'm going to do this now. Where God says in faith, he wants me to, to act like God and walk like God. See that, guys? Really good, really good question, buddy. So it's messy, guys. But the point, so when you look at that passage, you see men who are filled with God's spirit to accomplish God's purpose. My prayer is that a, an application would be, you would be praying for God to fill you so that you can obey his word, preach his word, and do his work. All right. 
I spent a little longer than I thought. Okay, uh, his point in this, guys, guys, his point is that God's work is for his glory, right? And, and so now think about this. So he shows this through creation. I love you have the Holy Spirit hovering over creation. He creates and he shows that that's for his glory. Then he shows this, as it were, this, 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 this creation of this new world, as it were, this, this tabernacle, which is for his glory. And I want to propose that he's just retelling another story for when Christ comes and, as it were, makes new creation, his whole world, for his glory. Um, that is all his. He's the architect. He's the source. He's a designer. Now, check this out. Verse 12 says, and the Lord said to Moses, this is a little bit longer. We're going we're gonna to go home. Verse 13, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. He starts talking about the Sabbath. For this is a sign between me and you throughout the generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, thou shalt be cut off from among his people. Verse 15. So you get put to death, by the way, if you don't keep the Sabbath. Verse 15. Six days shall, be, shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. In the six days the Lord made heaven and earth. He brings it back to creation. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Verse 18, I'm just going to go ahead and read it. He, and he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So he emphasizes the Sabbath here for a few reasons. Uh, he makes it clear, first and foremost, uh, that the Sabbath takes precedence, precedence over the tabernacle, which shows you that it's, it's extreme importance, right? So he's saying, you're building a tabernacle. When you get to the Sabbath day, Stop. That means something, right? This is house. <laughs> How many of y'all want your house built and you want people to stop? Can you finish my house? Right? But God is like, stop. You need to rest. Notice here that the, the Sabbath is connected with creation that we saw in a verse like Moses in, uh, in, in Exodus 20, but also in, 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 uh, in Genesis. And he connects it to, he says, three times Moses emphasizes for you to observe the Sabbath. Verse 13, verse 14, and verse 16. And he says it's a sign so that you would know that he's the Lord. Right? He's, so he's saying that the Sabbath in itself is a, is a depiction of him reminding you and me that we have a relationship with God. Right? Between God and Israel. That's what he's saying. So, so when you rest, why is that? Because when you rest, we talked about this a while ago. We talked about the Sabbath a few times. So I'm hoping, and we, we, all, we understand that God has allowed us to enter to his Sabbath rest through Jesus. Okay? So it's not a law, as it were. But we're try, I'm trying to convince you as, as, as one of your servant leaders is that God has implemented this for our health, for our blessing. And that the way, the reason why he says, hey, this, when you do this, it actually, you know, it reminds you that I'm yours and you're mine is because Sabbath time isn't for you to rest and not do nothing, right? The Sabbath is so that you, to, for you to center around Jesus. It's to, it's to do things and to enjoy things that allows you to, to the Lord. That's the point. And so he uses this word here. Oh, by the way, uh, let me see if I have this here. 
if you treat it, the whole concept of death actually happened in the Bible. Numbers 15, I believe, 32 through 36. Check that out. Individuals died because uh, they didn't keep the Sabbath. This is show you it wasn't just a theory. Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 through 36. So that's what he means. In verse 17, he talks about this refreshing. He says that, you know, so he says that it's a refreshing thing. Did God need refreshing? Look at, the, look, at the, what does, look at your Bible. He, he, used, he says it's to refresh God. Wait a minute. Right? That's weird. Of course he didn't need refreshment. This is God, right? He's infinite. He's unchangeable. Right? He doesn't need refreshing. So what's going on here? This is obviously a didactic moment, right? He's, he's using it to teach us. God does this all the time in the Bible. Right? Jesus gets baptized. Does Jesus need to be baptized? Absolutely not. Right? He who knew no sin, right? He, he's, he'll be cleansed. He's clean. He clean. So God, so the Father, he, he's doing this. He's saying this to teach you and I something. God is saying, I don't need to be refreshed, but I'm telling you, it was, it's refreshing to me. And I don't even need no drink. You see what he's saying there? So his point is, if I'm, sh- I'm trying to show you if it's refreshing to me and I don't need refreshing, and you do, how refreshing will it be for you? He's trying to, he's designed the Sabbath for our, for our benefit. He's, he's trying to help you and I understand in this hustle, and in, in America, my goodness, in this hustle for, you know how it is, Monday through Friday, you hustle, you hustle, and then you sneak stuff in on Saturday and Sunday. I do it too. And God is saying, guys, and, and, and you know, I meet with my elders, and my man Matthew says, hey, don't be stressing, Eric. You got to make sure you have healthy rhythms in your life, or you're going to die of stress. You have a heart attack. Why? Because God didn't design you and us to work without rest. It's just a design issue. So I love Jesus for, for many reasons. Check this out. I love God. How he doesn't make it a law anymore, but it's still healthy for you. So you're free to do whatever you want to do in Christ, right? But I'm proposing to you when you have the whole Bible telling you that this will really mess you up. You might want to listen, not just start being private. Talking about, That's the Old Testament. Well, you're still going to die. Because God is saying... He wants you, now hear this, that's just pragmatic. He wants us to experience health, but man, more than our human health, spiritual health, to pause and reconnect with the Lord is what he desires. As we lead our families, men, we got to model this. I need to repent of this, and maybe many of you, we need to model to our families that we rest, right? Right? God is doing it. After one of the biggest things in history as he's developed the tabernacle and gave these guys these instructions, do this huge, awesome thing. Now, I want you to rest, though. Have, have rhythm. We got all these type A leaders up in here. All right? Movers and shakers. Relax. Right? It's not, a, it's not an inconvenience. So yes, yeah, a pledge and a marker. You can look at those. You can go through them. Sabbath serves a pledge and a marker and a blessing for God to God's people. And look what, he, look what happens here in verse 18. We just read the verse here. The final words he gave. He says there are two tablets of stone written by the finger of God, right? And the stone shows permanence, right? That there's eternality when we talk about the law, guys. It's not, it's not written on paper. It's written on the stone for a reason. 
And he does that to say, hey, I'm giving you, and now I know that's a lot, and it's hot in here. We're almost done. Let me just make sure you hear this. Because here's the application. What do you do with this? He's saying, I'm trying to show you that there is a way to worship me. How shall you then live? How do you live according to that? I want to propose to you, God is trying to get it in us for all those chapters to, that you approach God in God's way. What do I mean by that? Look at what he's doing here. I don't, want to, don't miss this. This is very important. Look at what he's doing here. He's trying to teach us something that goes all the way to our Savior Jesus. Have you thought about it? We always want to show we can get the hookup. Think about it in America. Are you like me? I mean, something can cost $4. And then you on the internet trying to figure out a way to make it $3.59. Right? Because there's something in us who want to be able to say, oh, you pay $4? I pay $3.59. I went online. I did this thing. I did that thing. I got that hookup. What is wrong with us? When was the last time you just saw a price and just paid, not tripped? Right? We always try, we, all the things we got now, Craigslist, all this stuff, we rarely just go, oh, $35 here. I'll gladly give that to you. We're like, $35? Wait, let me, let me get the UPC code on that. Let me see if that's on Amazon. Let me see. Because we always want the hookup. We always want to show, like, I, I, can get, I, I, I can get this another way. I can do this another way. I could do this my way. I don't need to do it your way. I heard what you said the price is, but I, let me find out another way. That's how we are. We're always doing that. And we get mad when someone says, no, it's this way. It's, you're going to do it like this. Funny story. So I'm at Spring Hill, and here, and and uh, I grab my kids, and if you've done Spring Hill, we're very serious. You don't get to leave with your kids until we see your ID. I don't care if you're my cousin, right? I don't care what you got. I don't care what excuse you got. So I walk in there. Again, it's how we are, prideful people. I'm thinking, I founded the church. I brought, I'm, on the, I'm on the board of Spring Hill. You know what I'm saying? I brought y'all here. I'm just keeping the keep 100. Do we, am I the only one who get like this sometimes? You don't say it. But you walk in a place and you start thinking about your notoriety and start thinking, well, let me show everybody how I get things a little different. I don't have to follow all the rules. So I walk up to the, wait, to the, to the, uh, the student counselors who were just in my backyard having a barbecue the last day. See me ate my food. <laughs> Talking about, what's up, man? I'm gonna grab my kids right now. He's like, actually, sir, can you show me your ID? <laughs> I said, hold on, player. <laughs> you, talk, you talking to E? Remember, you just had a burger in my crib. I didn't say all that in this, right? And I'm like trying to figure out a way to 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 not to be all golly, but still kind of, hey, man, I'm I'm the pastor. I'm, I'm on the board. I, I should be able to do things differently. I know there's a way, but I want to do it my way. And he's like, well, actually, can you just show me your ID? 
And I got a, I'm at a, I got a juncture right there, right? Do I clown? Do I, do I stretch my muscle? Or do I just submit? And say, man, we all agreed to it. I'm on the board as a board. We agreed to it at 30,000 feet. <laughs> now we're on the ground. I'm tripping. And man, I was like, look at me. I was like, man, let me go to my car and get my ID right quick. <laughs> at a conference, man. I mean, I, we do it all the time, you know? Um, I mean, we, you know, I, I'm telling y'all, I'm a mess. We're going to go to just, the Just Gospel. We late. We, don't, we didn't get there early bird time. Price increase. I'm like, well, I know the people. Why didn't I just pay what everybody else paid early bird? Because it's how we are. So listen, here's what God is doing. This is, this is it. So God is saying, I'm teaching you something when I keep showing you that there's a way to worship me. There's a way to honor me. And you know why I need to do this for hundreds and hundreds of years, almost a thousand years? Here's the reason why I got to do this. Because when we get all the way to Jesus, you're going to want to find another way. You're going to want to find another way into the kingdom. You're going to want to say, oh, that's the way it is. Well, what if I did this? Isn't it? Can I do it this way? And now it almost makes sense to me when Jesus says things like, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I know that we've taught you that there is just the way to worship. And we did that to show you that's the way to worship. But we did that to show you that there's a way to worship God. And now God is pointing to me. And I am the way to worship God, Jesus. One way. No, you can't get the hookup. No, I don't care about your cousin. I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how much theology you know. I don't care where you live. I don't care how much education you have. I don't care about any of that. There is one way to worship God. One way. And I know you're going to keep trying to go through the back door and keep trying to have this excuse and that excuse. And guess what? It will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 17, he says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. There are all these other ways to get the hookup, but guess what? They're going to kill you. And those who enter by it are many. A lot of people, prideful people, we all want to try and figure out a way to create our space and say, I'm special. That's what it's really it's what it's about. You had to do, y'all, y'all had to go through that way. I went this way. I'm special. Jesus says, look, the most special person in here is not. One way. Jesus says, I'm special. One way. And those who enter by, he says, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. See that? I'm proposing to you, that's a gospel call. God is wanting to make everybody here very clear, making something very clear. The tendency will always be, to preach the gospel like there's a couple other ways and to live like there's a couple other ways. But even in that passage I just read to you, that's in the midst of two other passages where God is clearly explaining. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? He's explaining it. This is what it means to honor me. This is what it means to worship me. This is what it means to come to me. Check it out in the gospel. Because he's, he's trying to convince us. Your tendency will be to try to do it your way and it's going to lead you to destruction. But then he says, but I love this, but then there's a way, and guess what? It don't cost too much. So he says in in Isaiah, he says, this isn't expensive. He says, this is water that is free. 
See, that's the thing. He's, he's, he says, guess what? The only thing that's holding you back isn't your pocketbook, your education, right? Your acumen, your, 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 your lineage. The world, there's all these things that makes you not be willing or able to get in a place. Because you don't have this hookup. You don't know this person. You don't have this amount of money. And you don't have this education. And you don't live in this neighborhood. And you don't have this. And you don't have that. God says, not with me. Ain't none of that. Guess what? The only thing you need to humble your pride and realize I'm king and you're not. No other excuse. Nothing else you need. You don't need no money. No car. It's okay. You, don't, you can't read. You don't need to be able to read in this kingdom. It's okay you're poor. It's okay you're rich. I don't care what color you are. I don't care about your clothes. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what you did on this earth in that way to say, look at me. All you need is to be willing to drink. Be willing to drink. I hope everyone in this room, especially our young people, that you're willing to drink, that you're humble. All the people that you're humble, that you realize, man, I need Jesus. There is one way, and he makes it very clear. I pray we walk through it. So first, the gospel, that you would submit to God, that you would realize that you're sinful, you would confess your sins, and experience forgiveness, and repent. And God says, that's the way to experience Jesus, to experience life. For those of you who are believers, How do you apply this? I think this is exciting. Look what he's saying. See, this text makes you go, sometimes you're like, man, is God really winning in your life? You think practically, look at your life and you think of some of the things that are going on in your journey. Is God really winning? Is he going to win this thing? Is he going to just win the, well, how do you say you won the battle, but you you didn't win the battle, but you won a war? Is that what God is doing right now? Is he like, am I going to, my life's going to be horrible, but one day he'll win? I want to propose to you that this text is about sovereignty. This text is about reminding you in, in, that when God created creation, and then and he did that through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then he created this tabernacle, and guess what? He did that through the power of the Holy Spirit, and guess what? The people that he put in the tabernacle, guess how he created them? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, he filled them, he chose them, and then guess what? He brought salvation to those people. How? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. That God is moving all the way through history, protecting, grabbing, liberating, redeeming, and bringing his people to the final goal for his glory. See, that builds hope. That allows you to go, okay, so as I do life tomorrow, it's not like I'm on my own. The same God who did all of that, he's in me. And he's continuing that narrative, that narrative in you. Right now, that's how it seems we need to apply this text. May you apply it in other ways as you argue and talk about things in that group as well. Um, we're going to do, uh, as we continue to respond to worshiping God, we're going to have our, our tithing offering and we're going to have our communion. I want to encourage you, um, two quick things. Ask, ask God as you respond to him in worship to fill you with the Spirit. But for, before you do that, I, my prayer is you, you, the way you, you confess your sins. Say, Lord, I confess. Confess your sins and experience God's forgiveness and repent of your sin. And then 
The Bible says you can ask for God to feed the Spirit. Ask Him to feed the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to allow you to walk in His ways, to obey His precepts, to open you up to just the supernatural, to show you what, what He wants to do in and through you. Then consider, what does it mean to, to experience Sabbath? And then finally, what does it mean for you to, to enjoy this way that God has given us and in that, to be able to live life courageously. Uh, we do tithe and offering because God has given us everything. We uh, respond to him by giving him, giving back to the Lord to accomplish his purposes. If you are new, we ask that you keep your wallets and your purses.